0: May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGown. so glad that you're here with us today. I also want to welcome our North Campus. Thanks for joining us by live video feed. Um, This last October, I went to a church leadership conference called Catalyst. It's a great conference, fabulous. But it was at that conference that God spoke to me. Something that I never saw coming. And I was there with um, other members of our staff from both campuses, and I've been looking for an opportunity to share with you what God showed me and what He spoke to me at that conference, and I've been looking for just the right time. And that time is now, okay? But before I go any farther, for those of you that maybe this is your first Sunday at Parkway Fellowship or you're newer to Parkway Fellowship, let me just pause for a moment and say this. Today is your lucky day. Because today, although I'm primarily talking to members and regular attenders here at the park, today, you're going to get to peek behind the curtain a little bit, and you're going to get to see the heart of Parkway Fellowship. You're going to get to see some insider stuff about our church. You're going to get to see some of our history, some of where we're going. And my hope is, is that you'll choose to come along with us. Because the truth is, being a part of this church is the most exciting and thrilling thing I've ever done in my entire life. And most of our members and regular attenders would tell you the exact same thing. So today, you're going to get to hear much more than a sermon. You're going to get to hear the heart of our church. And you're going to get to hear the heart of God. Okay, so I'm at this, I'm at this leadership conference and um, they have all these different workshops that you can you know, sign up for and you can you know, show up and attend. and. One of the workshops is led by a lady named Anne Voskamp. Now, if you've never heard of Anne Voskamp, she's amazing. She's written books. She's a highly sought-after speaker. She's incredibly motivating. I mean, she's nationally known, all right, even though she's Canadian, okay? She's really, really good, okay? So I decided I'm going to go to her session. So, I, you know, I sit down, and, you know, and the, the thing starts, and, And what I didn't realize until I I had already sat down and, you know, we were 10 minutes into this and it was just a little bit awkward. I didn't realize that this particular workshop was targeted for women only. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I figured it out about, like, you know, about 10 minutes into the thing when Ann is up there and she's going, don't you agree, ladies? You know, isn't that right, ladies? Come on, ladies, this is what we got to do. And I'm thinking, ladies. And I start looking around, and I'm like, no kidding, like, I'm the only guy (laughs) within, like, Bible-throwing distance. And I'm thinking, oh my, and I'm getting glares. Like, I mean, there's some ladies that are like, what are you doing in here? You're in the wrong place. (laughs) But I'm telling you, I wasn't in the wrong place. I was in the right place because that's the place that God spoke to me. And isn't that how, kind of how it is? That it's when you're in a place that's you know, maybe out of the norm, that that's where God meets you, and that you would have missed it otherwise? Well, that's what it was like for me. So I'm sitting there, and I'm telling you, man, Ann's bringing it. And if you've never heard her, I'm telling you, you are missing out. So she starts winding up her talk um, and she says, okay, she says, all right, ladies, in just a few minutes, I'm going to give you an opportunity to, you know, turn to your neighbor and share something. But here's what I want you to do first. I want you first to pray to God and ask God this question. God, what is the one thing in our church that only you can do? Well, you know, for me, that's easy because I immediately think back to the vision of Parkway Fellowship that God gave me when we first started this church. And that is to reach 10% of our community um, and effectively minister to those people every single week. And so, you know, I prayed to the Lord. I said, Lord, that's something in our church that only you can do. And I've always believed that you could do it. And it was in that moment that God spoke to me. And the best way that I can describe what that sounds like is that it's a voice inside my mind that is not my own. I, and I just know it's him. And the Lord said to me, Yes. But only I can reach 10% in the next 10 years. Would you believe me for that And I sat there stunned. Because for the first time since we started Parkway Fellowship, for the very first time, God has put a timetable on what he wants to do. For the very first time, God has given us a window of opportunity that he says, this is when I want to accomplish what I've said I already want to accomplish. And I'm just sitting there and I'm just thinking about this and just going going over this in my mind. I'm just kind of reeling from the whole experience. And then, you know, finally, Anne kind of interrupts. She says, all right, I want you to turn to someone next to you and share your hearts, ladies. (laughs) Now I'm thinking, you know, Canadians. So anyway... (laughs) So thankfully, I'm sitting next to Melissa Mahalski. She's the small group's pastor at our North Campus. And so like I have someone that I can you know, share my heart with that I at least know. And so I turned to her and I, and I said, God's just spoken something to me. And he said something really powerful. So I told her the very same things that I've just told you. And she turned to me and she said, you know, I believe that God's going to do that. And then that afternoon with our staff that was at the conference, you know, we, I gathered them all together, at, you know, Jersey Mike subway shop, you know, where all spiritual things happen. So we gathered there and I share them with what God has said. And all of them are Pumped. I mean, they're excited about it. They're like, yeah, you know, and if, we're, if, that, if God wants to do that, then maybe we should do this, and maybe we should do that. Then how about this idea, and how about that idea? And literally for like 30 minutes, I mean, all of the creativity is rolling, and, it, and it's amazing. And who knows how many I mean, you of know, those ideas we're actually going to even do. Because that, that's not why I'm telling you this. I'm telling you this because every single one of our staff members agreed with it. No one had any doubt none not one and have you figured it out that when god when you think that maybe god has told you something if you share that with other god-fearing god-seeking people when they are in agreement and support that's great confirmation that that is something the lord has said And so we left that day super excited as a staff. And again, I've been eager to share this with you for a while. And this whole sense of a a divine call to do something great in the name of Jesus Christ reminds me of the Apostle Paul in the Bible because God called him to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the entire Mediterranean world. I mean, that is a huge task because it's not like they had the internet or anything, so But God accomplished it through Paul, because through Paul, God planted more churches than any other, Paul planted more churches than any other person. Paul wrote more New Testament books than any other person, and Paul is responsible for spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ across the world more than any other single person. Well, how did that happen? How did God do that through him? Because here's the thing. How God used Paul to spread the gospel through the Mediterranean world is the same way that God is going to use us to reach 10% of our community in the next 10 years. So go ahead and pull out your message notes if you haven't done so already and let's ask this question. What did God do through Paul that he also wants to do through us to reach our community for Christ? Here's the first thing. Number one is this. We need to preach that Jesus is the Son of God. We need to preach that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, all of our verses today are found in Acts chapter 9. And we're looking at the section immediately after Paul's conversion. Look, and if you've never read Paul's conversion, you ought to read the first part of that chapter. It is amazing. But immediately after Paul becomes a Christ follower... Here's what the Bible says, beginning in verse 20. It says, At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among all those, among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful. Okay, hold on a second. Um, by the way, God eventually changes Saul's name to Paul. He just, that just hasn't happened yet. But it's still the same guy. This is still Paul the Apostle. He's just called Saul at this stage of the game. Okay? So, Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. So the very first thing that Paul did was that he began to preach and teach that Jesus was the Son of God. Which, by the way, totally freaks some people out because just a few days before, Paul was opposed to Jesus. But now, he's preaching that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, here's the thing. We don't really understand the full impact of saying that Jesus is the Son of God because we're just accustomed to hearing that. And so we've grown a bit numb to the full weight and power of that kind of a statement. But when Paul says that Jesus is the Son of God... He's saying that Jesus is the promised one sent by God to finally rescue his people from oppression and the kingdom of God is near. And if Jesus is the one that really is the son of God, then that means that everything, absolutely everything revolves around him. That's what he's saying. Now, what the Jews of that day did not understand was that Jesus wasn't coming to you know, rescue them from political oppression. He was coming to rescue them from the oppression of sin. See, he died on a cross to forgive, provide forgiveness for every man, woman, and child, whether they're Jew or Gentile. And Paul correctly understands that the kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom, that sets up in the hearts of every true follower of Christ. And because Jesus actually is the true Son of God, then that means that everything, absolutely everything in life revolves around Him. And for us as a church, that means that that's the kind of thing that we need to preach, teach, and live. And my role as a senior pastor is to make sure that every single week that we tell people about Jesus, that he is the son of God who died on a cross to provide forgiveness of sin for everyone and that he is the only way to get to heaven and that everything, absolutely everything, revolves around him. Everything. And what that also means is that we can never become a place, we can never become a church that merely teaches that people need to become nicer or better or more optimistic or feel better about themselves or just more motivated to try harder. Because here's the deal, if Jesus isn't the central focus, then we cease to become a church and we downgrade to merely becoming a place where people have a moral pep rally. We can never let that happen, ever. And so you have my commitment that we will ever and only preach and teach from the Bible and that Jesus will always be preached that he is the son of God and that every week people have a chance to choose to become a follower of Christ. But for all of us, but for all of us, that means that we have to live our lives like everything, absolutely everything, revolves around him. Because here's the truth, it does. Whether we acknowledge it or not. Because when we get to heaven, we're not going to be judged and be rewarded by how much money we made or how successful we've been. None of that will even matter. The only thing that will matter is how did we bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ while we were here on this earth. That's it. Everything else will fade away. And that means that Jesus affects how we make decisions, it affects how, he affects how we relate to our spouses, how we parent, how we spend, how we give, how we work, how we serve, our attitude when we are serving, how we vote, how we control our anger, how we maintain our integrity even when no one else is watching. I mean, Jesus ought to affect even how loud we sing in church. I mean, the point is, is that if you truly believe that Jesus is the Son of God, then that affects everything, absolutely everything in your life, and everything ought to revolve around Him. And look, look at the reaction of people when Paul started preaching and teaching the Son of God. That Jesus was the Son of God. They said, they said, Wow, I'm astonished. You didn't used to be like this, someone who follows Jesus like you do. But now listen to you. You know what? If we really follow Jesus as the Son of God, people's reaction to how we live our life ought to be the same. Wow, I'm astonished. Because you didn't used to be like this, following Jesus like you do. But now listen to you. That ought to be how people respond to us. Okay. Second way that God used Paul to change the world and wants to use us is this. Number two. We need to think outside the box and be willing to try anything to outwit the enemy. We need to think outside the box And be willing to try anything to outwit the enemy. Look at verse 23. It says this. It says, After many days had gone by, the Jews conspired to kill him. But Saul, again, that's Paul, learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. Look, here's the thing. The devil wanted Paul dead because so many people were beginning to trust in Christ and the Jews who were in control of the religious system wanted to remain in control and so they conspired to kill Paul. But here's the thing. They were unsuccessful because they were willing, other people were willing to think outside the box in order to try anything to outwit the enemy. Look, here's the deal. Don't think for a moment that the devil is going to take your commitment to follow Christ lying down. He's not. He will do anything and everything that he possibly can to discourage you, to get you to feel down, to poison your attitude against God and against his son, Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. If he can't, if he can't do that, then he will do everything he can to poison your, your heart towards church or towards pastors in a church or other people in a church. Why? Why? because he hates how God has changed your life and how much God is going to use you to help change other people's lives. So he'll try to discourage you, depress you, upset you, frustrate you. And he'll try to get you to not share Christ with anyone or invite anybody to church. has, Has anything ever happened to you? Have you ever felt discouraged about God or about church? about anything to do with Christianity? The only reason that the devil would target you is because he knows how much God wants to use you. Okay, so look, you need to keep this in mind. The only reason the devil wants to discourage you is because God plans to use you. The only reason the devil wants to discourage you is because God plans to use you. See, Paul's friends thought outside the box, and they smuggled Paul out of the city, and therefore they outwitted the enemy. And in the very same way, we as a church, we've got to be willing to think outside the box about how we could reach more people for Christ, and therefore outwit the enemy, the devil. Okay? And look, here's the deal. We've tried all sorts of crazy things here at Parkway Fellowship to reach people for Christ. I remember one time we um, we had some urinal screens printed up. Now, ladies, you have no idea what that is, but just, so I'm talking to the guys here. We, we had some urinal screens printed up, and they said at the top, it said, Arcway Fellowship, and at the bottom it said, you add the P. Yeah, we, oh, we did it. We put them in urinals all over town. I'm telling you, we will try anything once. We've done all kinds of stuff. Like, I remember one time we did, we bought, we we passed out foam, Parkway Fellowship foam fingers. We had a big tailgate party right before service on Easter to try to get people to come. We even offered free family portraits before an Easter service one time. We've gone to the park and rides around, around you know, our area at 5 o'clock in the morning and passed out granola bars and an invite to church to people getting on the bus. I mean, we'll do anything and everything possible, short of sin, to reach people for Christ. I mean, it's true. And here's the deal. If we're going to reach 10% of our community in the next 10 years, we've got to continue to think outside the box at times. Look, and some things are going to go great, some things are going to bomb, and that's okay. But we can't ever be afraid to fail, because if we ever become afraid to fail, then we'll probably be be too afraid to take a step of faith. We can't ever let that happen, because we learn just as much from failures as we do from successes. And honestly, who knows what God's going to inspire us to do in these coming years. But here's the deal. I do know some things that we have to do. We have to expand our facilities at the West Park campus. We have to buy land and build a building at the North Campus. We're going to have to start a third campus, maybe a fourth campus. Who knows how many if we're going to reach 10% of our community for Christ. But the bottom line, we've got to be willing to think outside the box out with the enemy. All right number three here it is we need to let our changed lives do the convincing we need to let our changed lives do the convincing look what the bible says in acts 9 26 when he that's talking about paul when he came to jerusalem he tried to join the disciples that's jesus's disciples but they were all afraid of him not believing that he really was a disciple But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul, again Paul, on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and that how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of the Jews. So Saul stayed with them and moved freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. See, here's the deal. Even the apostles didn't believe that Paul was a true Christ follower. Not at first. But you know what convinced them? It was Paul's changed life. See, Barnabas had seen how much Paul had changed, and he's the one that said, look guys, you need to take a closer look because this guy really is different. And sure enough, after they looked at Paul's life, they themselves saw how much Paul has changed, and that is what made all of the difference. And here's the deal. If we're gonna reach 10% of our community in the next 10 years, then we've got to let our changed lives Do the convincing. Because we can talk all day long about how Jesus is the Son of God and how everything ought to revolve around Him. We can talk about that all day long. But unless people see that change in our lives, they will remain unconvinced. In fact, if they don't see change in their lives, then how are they ever going to believe that Jesus is going to change their life? So they've got to see it in us. And you know what that means for you and for me? It means this. You've got to let Jesus Christ start to actually change your life. See, that's the second part of our mission statement here at Parkway Fellowship. It's not just reach the lost at any cost, but the second part is grow them to maturity. We have to become mature Christ followers. And here's the thing, only you can control how fast you grow to maturity in Christ, only you control that. And look, and that, and that maturity, it has to be in a meaningful way. Look, you know, baking cookies and brownies and taking them to a friend in the hospital, that's nice, but here's the thing. People who aren't Christ followers do that. So we have to allow God to change our lives in deeper, more meaningful ways than that. You have to release control to him and then allow him to take control of more of your life. Look, when God convicts you in church about a behavior, not only should you check a box about that next step that you're going to take, you actually have to follow through with that next step. I th- honestly, I think a lot of people, sometimes we get to the next steps, like they check a box because they're like, oh, yeah, man, you know what? Our world would be so much better off if everybody did that. Yep, people ought to do that. Check that box. Yep, I totally agree. Look. But what everybody should do is not the same as what you will do, okay? And you might intend for something to happen, but your intention is much different than your action. So what I mean is is that when you come to church, you say, okay, God, I'm committing to allow you to change my life this way. You have to also put forth your effort for those changes to take place. Now, the flip side of all this changed life stuff is that people have to see those kinds of changes in us. Otherwise, how are they ever gonna know? I I mean, our changed lives will never be convincing if people don't see how our lives have changed. And I think we've kind of bought in this false sense of humility that says, you know, well, you know, I don't want to draw attention to myself. And so I need to keep all this kind of stuff private because I don't want to, you know, seem like, you know, it's all about me or I don't want other people to feel like I'm trying to say that I'm holier than they are or anything crazy like that. And so we end up doing is saying nothing and drawing attention to nothing. And we can't do that either. So, one key thing that we can do as a church to you know, let our changed lives do the convincing, is we can tell more stories of how lives are being changed here at church on a Sunday morning. That means that, you know, we could do that through either video testimonies or live from the stage, or I can tell some stories anonymously about how people's lives are being changed here at at the park. But the bottom line is that we need to let our stories be told so that our changed lives can tell the story of Jesus Christ. Because that is more convincing than anything else. And after Paul makes his commitment to do all of these things, look at the result, and this will be the same result here in our area as well. Look, at, look how the, the, the passage winds up. Verse 31, it says, Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, It grew in numbers living in the fear of the Lord. And that same thing will happen here. So, find your connection card. Let's take some next steps together. Now, we've already had the chance to take that first next step, but here's the deal. If we're going to reach 10% of our community in the next 10 years, we need some people to step up and be small group leaders. And if you've ever thought about that, if you've, if you've been on the fence about that, then cross that line. Become a small group leader. Again, we will train you. We'll get you fully prepared. So make sure that you've checked that first box. Box number two is this. I am all in with God to be used by him to reach 10% in 10 years. You're basically saying, God, whatever it is that you're asking me to do, you haven't even asked me yet, but I'm in. Would you be that kind of a person? And you might not even be a member here, and I'd say, I'm okay with that. If this might be your first time, you're like, God, I'm all in. I feel like you're drawing me to that. Then go all in. Next. I will begin the process to revolve everything, absolutely everything around Jesus, because I believe that he is the son of God. Would you do that? Next. I am willing to think outside the box to try to reach more people for Christ. Whatever that would be. Would you be willing to say, you know what, God, I'll do anything short of sin to reach people for you. I'd be willing to think outside the box. Next, this is a big one. When I get discouraged, I will remind myself that the devil wouldn't be trying so hard if God didn't want to use me for something great. Would that be you? I'm telling you, If you just remind yourself, you know what, all of these things that are happening, or that got said, or that occurred, it's because God wants to use me for something great, and I'm not going to let the enemy win here. Would you make that commitment? Next. I will allow Jesus to start changing my life in meaningful ways. You probably have a good idea of what that means. Would you make that commitment? Next. I will email my story of life change this week to my story at Parkwayfellowship.com. Look, I have no way to know how God is changing everybody's life. So one great way that we can do that is this week... Write a paragraph, or two, maybe three, about how God has changed your life, what he's done in your life, and email to this email address. We're going to start compiling these things and start working them into message series. Now look, we're not going to ever use your story unless you know about it and approve of it first. So you know, like, don't fear that, like, next week, oh gosh, I could be like, you know, middle of the sermon. No, no, you'll know. We, we would never do that uh, without you knowing ahead of time. So would you make a commitment to email us? That'd be great. Next. I will pray the prayer to become a Christ follower for the first time in my life. Look, I would be remiss if I did not give you a chance to become a Christ follower. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to forgive you for everything you've ever done and committed your life to following him, now is your chance. There's a sample prayer right below these next steps. If you've never prayed that prayer before, do not leave here today without praying it, without becoming a Christ follower. So I'm going to give you a chance to pray that prayer right now. In fact, I'm going to give everybody a chance to pray and ask, so you can ask God to help you follow through with the next steps you've taken. So right now, everybody, bow your head, close your eyes. Take these next moments and pray silently to God. father i want to say thank you for how you use paul to literally turn the mediterranean world upside down in the name of your son and i ask that you would use everybody listening live today or on the internet or on a podcast (coughs) that you would use us to reach 10 percent of our community in the next 10 years and that you would change our lives and we would surrender control of our lives to you in a way that other people could see so that they too could be convinced of your majesty, your power, and that you, Jesus, truly are the one true Son of God. And it is in your name we pray, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, Find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.